Welcome to Sound Advice, a behind-the-scenes look at entrepreneurship in arts and entertainment, offering a sound platform for musicians and industry experts to share their best ideas and insights to help you achieve success. From Sammy Hager's tequila to Cher's multiple clothing lines, branding is playing an ever-increasing role in building and marketing a successful artist's career. In this episode, we explore the entrepreneurial journey of industry experts and top music superstars as they speak about the trends and tactics that they use to blend together their music and their message. First, we'll meet Bob Baker, author of the highly acclaimed Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook. Bob is a leading authority on self-branding with a focus on helping musicians leverage their online web presence and marketing strategies to accelerate their careers. After that, we'll speak to the hottest brand, and you'll understand what I mean, when we move on to Twisted Sisters' Eddie Fingers Ojeda and discuss some of the Twisted Sisters' branding strategies, as well as Eddie's own recent product launch, Twisted Hot Sauce. All of this and more on today's episode of Sound Advice. Bob Baker is the author of the highly acclaimed Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook, which appeared in the major motion picture The School of Rock, starring Jack Black and Miranda Cosgrove. CD Baby called him the godfather of independent music marketing. As an author, speaker, musician, and music magazine editor, Bob is one of the most widely recognized authorities on music marketing and an industry leader in helping musicians leverage the online web and marketing strategies to accelerate their careers. Welcome, Bob. Hey, Richard, thank you for having me on. I'm thrilled to, to be your guest today. Yeah, we are. We're thrilled to have you on as a guest as well. And the first thing that comes to my mind is you have an expression in, the, in your book, wake up and smell the gigabytes. I love that. <laughs> I, lo- I love that expression. Okay. It's a great expression. Can you tell us a little bit about the thoughts and what that really means? Yeah, and if I remember correctly, yeah, that was I think that was in the introductory chapter in the Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook, which is perhaps I mean of the dozen. Well, I, I, over the years, I've published like a dozen paperback books and another probably dozen eBooks and audio programs and so on. But yeah, that Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook is definitely like the one I'm probably best known for, and it's in the in the beginning of it. And so yeah, I'm basically stressing uh, for artists to embrace. Uh, the, not only digital technologies, I guess that's where the gigabyte reference comes from is, you know, don't, don't uh, resist the changes, but embrace them. Um, but it really goes for any type of change that comes because I know people get frustrated when, when, when the, the landscape changes and certainly there have been huge monumental changes in the music business. Um, and there's a resistance to, oh, I like the way the old ways when I knew what to expect. But, you know, the only constant is change. And so embracing that. And, and just accepting what is and seeing how you can make the best of it is kind of, yeah, I think the best way to approach any career or vocation. What inspired you to create such a voluminous um, piece? Uh, and then I, I, since I was a kid, I had an interest in, in writing in the, in the written word where I would write these monthly columns with tips for musicians. And it basically came from a, a, a perspective that I was a curious musician myself. And through the newspaper that I published, I had the opportunity to interview artists at all different levels from the local artists to touring indie bands and, you know, and acts, uh, and then even some major label, uh, uh, acts like Sheryl Crow. I interviewed her, like the one her debut album came out in the early nineties. Um, and so I was always picking their brains, um, and, and sort of identifying best practices. And they would end up in these columns and then, which turned into workshops and then later eventually books. 
And so the first, that first, um, that first edition of it was just a collection of the columns that I took best of. I beefed them up and I actually published them in a three ring binder because <laughs> this was in the nineties, you know, and, and self publishing wasn't as accessible to the average person as it is today. So I just did whatever I could, whatever made sense to me. And that's how I got my start and just slowly but surely, um, as I updated it every year, and I continue to get, the, it was one of the first books really, um, that covered, uh, kind of this, this do it yourself, take your career into your own hands aspect of marketing. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I, I, and, and I wrote it from sort of a conversational style again, as a musician, it wasn't very academic. Um, but that's one of the gifts that I think I bring to the topic is that I take these complicated topics and break them down into concepts um, that that even non non business people can understand and wrap their brain around. So that's kind of the <laughs> short story, <laughs> or maybe not so short story, <laughs> of how that book got its start. And as far as like the individual tactics, like like I'm, there's no like one size fits all. I'm not going to say you need to be on this website or do this particular tactic because there's no one uh, one easy button solution. Every artist has to find their way and find that platform that um that works for them you know some artists do well just by constantly touring and they do a really good job of connecting with fans at live events other artists might use a youtube channel you know um and and just make a i've interviewed a number of artists that have done really well with youtube um uh and so there's all sorts of avenues but you need to find the one that's right for you but but if you keep the focus on the connection and the relationship with the fan it becomes a lot easier don't get too wrapped up in the tools and the tactics just make that connection. So let's say I have a band and I want all the things that most bands want, the recognition, a major hit. So I've got this finished product. Let's say it's an album. Let's focus on some of the tools and strategies I should utilize to build my fan base. Yeah. So ideally you should actually be developing that fan base even before you have a product. Um, if there, if there was one tactic, uh, that I would say that replies to everyone, um, and it may seem old school, <laughs> but having an email list of people that are interested in what you do is really one is the number one marketing asset that you can have. Now, I will admit that email is not as effective as it used to be. Um, I know from my own experience, I mean, yeah, I focused on, I mean, right out of the, I got online in the mid nineties and right away I saw the beauty of using email to connect with potential readers, um, and people that would be interested in my, in my book. So I've been building a list, you know, I now have access to like 15,000 people via email. Um, and I can, I admit that, yeah, I don't get the kind of responses I maybe got 10 years ago. However, it still is far more effective than anything that I do with social media or any, any other types of types of things. They're all important, but, um, but email is still very powerful. So you really need to be capturing the names and the emails of people that have willingly said, yeah, I love your songs. I'd like to know more. Let's stay in, let's stay in touch. And you need to create incentives both online and at live events for people to to share that information with you and then regularly stay in touch with them once or twice a month, at least communicating via email, just kind of keeping people up to date on what you're doing. And so you do that over a number of years when you and then when you have a new product, you've already got this built in audience, no matter what the size of it, that you can let them know about your new your new music and when you're on tour and on all that and all that good stuff. So I would say the email, yeah, building that list and being really focused 
and intentional about it at your live shows and on your website um, is a, is probably one of the best tactics that you could embrace. You mentioned in the uh, Guerrilla Marketing Online the fan attraction formula. You made the mention of the octopus marketing formula. Uh, <laughs> do you want to expand yes. on that a little bit? I, yeah, I love yeah, I love using uh, yeah breaking things things down into like three steps to this or giving something a, a, a different name. And so the the octopus uh, one is one I've been using for years. So in in essence, I ask people when it comes to online marketing, um, I ask and quite often I use uh, I guess a, a, a metaphor like if I compare something complicated to something else that they're familiar with, I think it helps people wrap their brain. Oh yeah, I get that now. And so if you think of the shape of an octopus, um, and I'm totally oversimplifying it, but you have the head in the middle and then you have the tentacles reaching out in all directions. And so in my, uh, in, so in my view of this octopus marketing formula, the head in the middle represents your personal or your artist or your band or your music company website that sits at the center of all of your activities online. And then the tentacles, of course, represent those places where you have a presence on other sites. And there's a whole wide range of things. I mean, all the well-known social media platforms are, are potential tentacles, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and they also include like, uh, you know, e-commerce, I mean, I mean uh, sales sites like iTunes, CD Baby, um, and any place, uh, yes, uh, Bandcamp or wherever your SoundCloud, wherever your music is available or to either hear or to purchase. Um, so those are the tentacles. And you do want to engage with people uh, and post things, you know, on each of those social media sites because you want to you want to meet people where they are, you know, and there's people that focus more on YouTube. There are people that are big Twitter <laughs> folks. Facebook obviously is huge. Um, and so you want to, you want to be interacting and posting things there, but periodically on a regular basis, you want to sort of draw them back to your own personal website where they can have a more of a, of a less distracting, <laughs> uh, relationship with you. Uh, you know, get on the email list, but watch your, you know, listen to your songs, uh, watch your videos. So, um, so I think it's, uh, yeah, it's really helpful to have that home base that you own. Cause that's another thing you don't own. I mean, Facebook doesn't own you anything and YouTube does it. They could easily, I mean, people actually all the time that have their accounts shut down for various reasons and you suddenly lost all that effort that you put into building likes or friends or whatever. Um, however, you own, if you own the, you know, if you're paying for hosting and own your own domain name, you own that. It can't be taken away from you. Um, and it's same thing with your email list. Um, it converts many of those people that follow you on social media to your email list and give them incentives, offer them something for free or some kind of a little, you know, backstage, call it a backstage pass or, you know, or, or some kind of exclusive club type of thing that you sort of spin it as to create an incentive for them to get on the email list. Then you're in control and it doesn't matter if face, you know, if all those social media sites suddenly went away, you'd still have your email list of, of fans. Yeah. And, and actually we just not long ago, MySpace was all the rate. Well, maybe it was 10 years ago, but, um, it's what seems you know, like every, yesterday. Every, oh yeah. It does seem like yesterday. And I had a book out on it that did really well back, back, back then too, but is out of, you know, there's no reason to buy that now. Um, but, uh, but that was the, like, that was the big thing. And all these bands, would on their banners and on the, you know, anytime you'd see them, they would have their myspace.com slash whatever the band name was. Everybody was sending traffic to their MySpace page. Well, what happens now? Well, now MySpace has fallen out of favor. 
And all of that effort went to, if they had instead put their own website there, um, they, they wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as damaging, you know? So, I, so I, yeah, it's yeah. like own your property online. We worked with an artist, Eddie Ojeda, who's the lead guitar for Twisted Sister, and he has a twisted hot sauce. And the branding of getting these products out there and marketing is a whole endeavor on itself. Do you have any comments, anything that you can maybe add to marketing, code and branding and product, anything like that? Is, that, is there anything sure. that resonates there? So the Twisted Sister guy is doing a hot sauce. Is, is there a line anywhere about we're not going to take it? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that, that, that should be part of a, part of a program somewhere. We're not going to take the lame hot sauce. Right. <laughs> or something. Um, but anyway, uh, um, and so, uh, so, so yeah, so, so basically it's, yeah, it's branding yourself as a person. Now, um, again, it's, and it's, and it's not about, it's really about taking some, um, just being really clear to yourself about what you want your public identity to be. Now, you don't have to overthink this. One of my most recent books, it's only available as an ebook now, Richard. Okay. It's called The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. And um, I think one of the laws is called the law of consistency. And I use the example of the, the Ramones, you know, the punk band. Sure. Um, and how they, for like a 20, nearly a 25-year period... They had this consistent image, sound, sort of attitude, you know, um, and it, it, I mean, I'm sure it varied, you know, from, I mean, hardcore fans could tell the evolution in their albums, but it seemed like there was always like the black leather jacket, the torn jeans, the three chord pop songs, um, you know, that the look that they, that right. they, that they had. And it was, and they just hammered that home for decades. And so, and because of that, they're one of the, I mean, super well established and and while i know you don't have to be that consistent for 20 years i mean you can evolve i mean madonna and a lot of different artists have you know they've changed you know over the years but there's something to be said about being consistent um and it's really hard to decide that though until you're a little further along in your career like i wouldn't recommend that somebody just getting out of the gate and still discovering who they are as an artist would like you know have this one image because they're still exploring but once you kind of discover what that is to be sort of consistent with it. That doesn't mean you can't do other things, but you sort of lead, you publicly, your leading edge is this specific identity, a look, an attitude, a sound, um, and everything that you create, your photos, your videos, should sort of reinforce what that image is. Um, and again, you don't have to overthink it, but if you can just be aware of, of it as you're creating stuff, is this consistent with what I want to publicly be known for? Um, you're going to resonate with people a lot more clearly than if you're vague and always changing. And, you know, does that make sense? So, Bob, now where can our listeners get hold of the book? Would they go to buzzfactor.com? So, yeah, if you look branding yourself online, Bob Baker, you'll find uh, the uh, the uh, ebook. It's like two ninety nine or, or something. And then the audiobook version as well. That's great. So what's your website? Is it is it the buzzfactor.com? Yes, thebuzzfactor.com is where all my music marketing stuff is. And then if people want to find out the other stuff that I do, I have, you know, a, a website for authors. I have a creative entrepreneur podcast. I have uh, stuff on my own music, my own visual art. And I also teach and perform improv comedy. That's great. Louis. So talk about branding, you know, author, visual <laughs> artist, painting, I understand as well, right? 
but but for for uh, stuff that to get that full range of what I do, it's Bob hyphen Baker dot com. Either a hyphen or a dash in the middle there. So Bob dash Baker dot com. That's we'll, great. We'll also take you there. And what we'll do is uh, we'll put some of this material on our website and put links to it so that they can get to your website so they can find you. And uh, I wanted this was a great interview. I really appreciate the time that you spent with us. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. Richard, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. A seminal member of the MTV mainstay, Twisted Sister, Eddie Fingers Ojeda has been all around the world with his band. He's played lead guitar in over 9,000 live performances, with appearances on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show, and a featured role in the 1985 film Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The phenom with the bullseye guitar is well known. But what about the side of Eddie that few of us know? the product branding king of hot sauce, Eddie Ojeda, the entrepreneur, today on Sound Advice. Hello, Eddie. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, man. Yeah. Pleasure. So I'd like to find out just uh, maybe a little background about what it was getting started with the band, and we'll talk from there. And in 75, you joined the band. Right. Right. And in 78, you played to a sellout crowd of 3,000 at the Palladium without any airplay or recording contract, right? Well, we had some airplay as far as uh, the clubs we were playing in. But uh, what happened was uh, J.J. French, who I went to high school with, he had, there had been a version of Swiss's Sister formed that had started making a name for itself in the club scene, and they broke up. And then when they broke up, after six months, he decided he wanted to get the band back together. And my band had broken up too, so he called me up and said, do you want to join uh, Twisted Sister? And I was playing in some cover bands at the time, you know, just local city stuff. And at the time, it, uh, disco was kind of big and I didn't know we could play rock out in the suburbs, you know, so it was pretty cool. I joined the band and uh, little by little, you know, we started making a name for ourselves. And then we decided to get Dee Snyder in the band mm -hmm. and... Uh, then from there, things kind of went where we started putting the makeup back on and it, everything sort of developed into uh, the band that ended up being like the biggest club band, one of the biggest club bands in the tri-state area where we could get three, four thousand, five thousand people in a club, depending on the size of the club, any night of the week. And then eventually we sold out the Palladium, you know, in the city. And we did that basically to try and get a record deal. But uh, yeah, we did that without a record deal, and um, it was a great experience. But that amazing. finally led to uh, us finally getting signed, and you know, it's all in the documentary. We got the, the tw you know twisted sister, twisted effing sister <laughs> documentary, uh, of course. Right. You know. And uh, it, it the documentary is really good because it doesn't just talk about us as a band; it talks about the whole music scene and the music in the, in the 70s how hard it was for a band to make it have you ever done anything entrepreneurial other than the band uh yeah a few things some things didn't work out but now i'm doing the hot sauce thing that did is working out um so coming 
Before you did the hot sauce, what mm. was some of the things you tried and you realized that you learned from? What kind of experiences did you have? Oh, uh, well. What education sort of, how much did that education cost kind of thing, right? Uh, well, I'll just say vending machines. And okay. That was not a good idea. And we'll leave it at that. All right. Got it. I thought, oh, vending machine business seems like a good business. Okay. But no, it's. So after a while. Not you, for me, at least. You looked at uh, hot sauce. Some you've got well, it's twisted hot sauce, right? Yeah. And uh, you now produce a lot, a tremendous amount. Maybe you can give us some backstory of yeah. what it took to get that going. What you were thinking of? Well, basically, you know, a friend of mine, John Rosati, uh, who already has his hot sauces out. He had he had basically had a wing sauce out. He has a hot sauce out now. I. You know, talked to him and I said, you know, I, I have a passion for hot sauce. I have all different kinds of hot sauce. Yeah, I approached him and then he helped me. We created it together. You know, after a few different tries, we did it. And basically it was something out of passion that I just wanted to have fun with. And then, you know, I started with a small amount at first and then, you know, started just selling it and going to some of the shows with uh, John Rosati, with um, Rosati Foods. and. You know, I would sell my stuff at his booth with him, and and little by little, you know, it just started catching on. You know, mm -hmm. people were, were really loving it. You know, and um, I knew it was good because I really liked it. And but people were like fighting over it and like you know okay. hiding it from the people. I gave bottles to would hide it from their roommates. You know, and it became like a thing. I'm saying like wow, this is like the crack. Of, is this like the crack of hot sauce or something? <laughs> I don't know. So how long did it take for you to turn profit? No, companies when they start out, they're well, it, it, not really I kind of like um, it's still. I'm still at a kind of break-even point, really, because it's still at a startup stage. Especially okay. now that I added the other two flavors. Oh, Pepper Palace just picked it up, which is a distributor. They have like 43 stores, and they're doing a grand opening in Myrtle Beach on May 7th, and I'm going to go there for that. Okay, and they're going to do like a whole promo thing, and you know, I'm going to sign bottles, and so you know. It's things like that that you, know, you got to start doing more the personal appearances sort of. On your entrepreneurial exploration, um, you probably got into reading things, exercising, getting the mindsets of the entrepreneurial. What kind of things do you do to keep yourself focused, active, it's the future, that kind of thing? Um, well, I try to like uh, do research on others, other products, you know. Um, I had no idea that the hot sauce thing was such a big thing you know right. what i mean like i've met people that are just insane collectors of, of hot sauce like they have every bottle in their house you know that's caused divorces you know like <laughs> some guys are like you know they have so many hot sauces and it's funny like you know emailing i get emails from different people that uh and you know now they have the hot sauce expos and it's it's a cult. Yeah, it's a, it's really funny. It's more than a cult. It's become like a, a mainstream, you know. I find so many people are into it, and uh, and then people making their own hot sauces. I've had, yeah, I've met quite a, a bunch of interesting people. I ended up on the Food Network doing a show called Chopped. Right. Getting our culture together. revolves around yeah, food. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, food and food and drink. Yeah. You know? mm. The first show starts off where in Sayreville, is it? Uh, no, no, no. We're, we're not doing clubs. We're uh, the, the first show is actually Sweden Rocks, which is about sixty thousand people. Oh, okay. It's, just, you know, it's a nice way to start. <laughs> yeah, nice kick it off. Nothing, you know, no pressure. All right. You know, but uh, we're going to do. We have an awards show in Vegas on uh, May fifteenth, and we're going to 
you know, we're just going to play a couple of songs for that, but we're rehearsing and uh, for that. And then the, the first show is going to be Sweden Rocks. Okay. It's on the twistedsister.com website, all the shows. Finally, Eddie, what advice would you give to a budding musician looking to brand themselves? Well, the music business is really difficult. I mean, it's not for the meek because it's very volatile, you know. It's like, I guess it's kind of like the stock market in, in, a, in, a, in a way, you know. It's, it's Or it's feast or famine, you know. I mean... There's periods where things that could be really well going really well, and then all of a sudden they could just stop, you know. And and it's tough, you know, when that happens. And um, I mean, we we broke up for 11 years, and then the whole retro thing came back, and now we're like almost bigger than we ever were. I mean, now we're headlining all these festivals. All in, you know, we've played 23 countries in the last 11, uh, last 13 years. It's amazing. And um, you know, it's. It's just to be headlining. We weren't headlining back in the '80s. We were like, you know, third or fourth on the bill. But now we're headlining all these shows, and it's great, you know. And um, it's it's good that this uh, that whole music has come back. The, the anthem rock. A lot of the, you know, you get people from like eight to eighty. Then, well, maybe not eighty, but uh, let's say sixty <laughs> something. Okay. Uh, that want to come and find out what it's all about, you know. So it's great. But, um, you know, it's a tough business, uh, you know, and you just got to stick with it and never give up if you believe in it. And if it doesn't happen, at least, you know, you die trying. Right. You don't want to die trying, no, but yeah. you know what I mean. This is great. So I really enjoyed the conversation. Eddie, okay. thank you. My thank pleasure. you so much. My pleasure. All right. That's going to do it for this inaugural episode of Sound Advice. If you like the show, why not subscribe? or check us out online at facebook.com forward slash the sound entrepreneur. Until next time, I'm your host, Richard Brownstein, and thank you from all of us at Sound Advice.